So he's been walking me through how to receive on the same level that he desires to bless. Um, and that's important to him. So um, he showed me the scripture, absolutely beautiful. Turn with me to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Receiving on the same level that God desires to bless, leaving nothing on the table. You know, when my body on this earth <laughs> is gone, my spirit is going to be with the Lord. When I transition to heaven, guess what? That's exactly what it's going to be. It's going to be a transition to heaven, and I'm going to be on a steady forward motion in Jesus name. I'm not going to have to take classes because I didn't get it while I was here on earth. So we got to go through this training again in heaven before you can go to the next level. No, I will have gotten everything that God has had for me on this earth. And when it's time to go to glory, I'm just going to transition and keep with that upward motion, keep with that upward movement in Jesus name, because I receive on the same level, he desires to bless. I'm not leaving anything on the table. I'm not leaving anything undone. I'm not leaving anything unenjoyed. Hallelujah. I'm receiving on the same level that God desires to bless. Have I arrived? No. Have I left? Yes. Am I on my way? Absolutely. Glory to God. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1. Paul speaking, King James Version. He says, I therefore... The prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you were called. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. When we think about being worthy or walking worthy, it's thinking about walking deserving of. Well, that's not what this word means here. When he says to walk worthy of the calling, that word worthy, it means having worth that matches the actual value. Having worth that matches the actual value. So if God has called me to be his child and has said everything I have is yours, then for me to walk worthy of that is to enjoy everything that he has for me. Think you prepare this feast for somebody, you cook this big dinner for somebody, you invite them over, I'm talking about you've got the appetizers, the salad, the breadsticks, and you've got the meal, the dessert, the uh, everything else. And they, no, that's okay, I'll just have a couple of these crackers and some water. They're not walking worthy of the invitation that you gave them to come to that meal. Okay. Walk worthy of the vocation wherewith he were called. That word vocation, we might think it means a job, right? The calling, um, what we're supposed to do for the Lord. But check it out. This is what it means in the Greek. It's the invitation to receive God's gift of salvation with all the blessings that go with it. The vocation is the invitation that God gave you to receive salvation with all the trimmings, all the blessings that go with, it, go with it. So when we put it together, we're to walk worthy of that invitation. Another definition for invitation, as I studied it out and the Lord spoke to me, that invitation, that vocation, it's the perks and privileges of the kingdom of God. Paul is beseeching us to walk worthy 
of the invitation that we receive to enjoy the perks and the privileges of the kingdom of God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How do we walk worthy of that? How do we have a worth that matches the actual value of being invited to enjoy all the perks and privileges of the kingdom of God? We enjoy all the perks and privileges of the kingdom of God. When God blesses us, we receive it. We, 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 we don't, no, 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 no. God is called, no, God's called me to be poor. God's called me to suffer. No, that's too much. No, no. It's God's good pleasure to give us the kingdom. And his pleasure is our prosperity, spirit, soul, and body. Brethren, I wish above all things, sisters, I wish above all things that you would prosper and be in health, even as your soul prospers, even as your mind, your will, and your emotions prosper. In order for our mind, will, and emotions to prosper, we have to renew them according to the word of God. We've got to start thinking the same way God thinks. We've got to start feeling the same way God feels. And we have to start wanting, desiring the same thing God desires. And we do that by getting in the word and letting his word do the work. Amen. Amen. So we walk worthy of the vocation to which we were called by enjoying the perks and privileges of the kingdom of God. And how do we do that? We're that person who fears the Lord and who delights greatly in his commandments. How, how, how are you guys doing? Anybody ready to receive on the same level that God desires to bless? <laughs> Amen. Okay, well, there are a few things we need to do. And actually, it all falls under the umbrella of what I just said, renewing the mind. Um, you know, there are a lot of old mindsets that we have, whether it's, you know, I was raised this way or whether it's, you know, what we learned in church, which is a lot of religion and tradition or whatever it is, whatever it is, we need to renew our minds um, and cast down old mindsets. But the biggest part is we need to become aware that, okay, this is an old mindset. This doesn't align with the word of God. Um, I was speaking with someone and he says, you know, I was taught that you had to suffer. You had to suffer for God. That's, that's how you're a good Christian. That's how you get blessed. You have to suffer. And if by suffer, he means endure without decreasing in status or in stance or in position, yes, then we suffer. Why? Because Jesus said in this world, you'll have tribulations, but be of good cheer for I have overcome the world. So when we endure, we don't lose anything. We don't wear down. The outward man perishes, but the inner man is renewed day by day. That's not what he meant. What he meant was exactly what me and, oh, God's really blessing me. God is good, but I don't have any food for my children. I don't have a job. I, I, I don't have good relationships, but God is good. No, that does not bring God glory. And it takes coming out, coming out of those mindsets. Some people think that, no, I'm, I'm supposed to be broke. No, I'm supposed to be sick. God's trying to teach me something. No, 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 no. And as long as we continue to think with those old mindsets, as long as we continue to hold on to those old mindsets, we're not going to be able to receive the blessing that God has for us. 
another person, she was on the other end of the spectrum. She says, well, I grew up, I was raised saying that I had to endure to show God what a good Christian I was. I had to go through trial after trial after trial and show him that I could make it. But it was, I was making it on my own. So it was a mindset of self-preservation. It, so what does that mean? Not ex- receiving help from anybody, not receiving direction from anybody. I have to prove to God that I'm a good Christian. So I've got to go through on my own. Um, these are just these these are just recent conversations that I've had, which is why I'm bringing them up. But then also, you know, it brings up a very common mindset in the church. Uh, about salvation. A lot of people think salvation is, I accepted Jesus, I get to go to heaven now, praise the Lord, but now I got to go through hell to get there. That's not what salvation is. That's not what salvation is. As a matter of fact, I'll read to you some definitions of salvation. And I wrote about it in my book, Beyond Salvation. Um, So let me take a moment to tell you all about this book. It's exactly what I just said, beyond salvation, beyond thinking that, okay, um, I received Jesus and I get to go to heaven now and that's all there is to it. No, salvation. Here are some definitions, okay? So the word saved in the Greek is sozo, and it means to be saved from danger, to be saved from suffering, to be saved from sickness, to be made whole. You know that word shalom, nothing missing, nothing broken? That's an Old Testament word, but that's the idea of being saved. It does also mean spiritual and eternal salvation. It is God's present power to deliver from bondage of sin, and it is deliverance from the wrath of God at the end of this age. And so if we go to the... Um, noun form of saved, it's salvation, solteria. And this solteria, this salvation speaks of deliverance, preservation, salvation, material and temporal deliverance from danger and apprehension, which includes economic calamity, health issues, natural disasters. It is spiritual and eternal deliverance. It's God's present power to deliver from the bondage of sin, and it is inclusivity. It sums up all the blessings bestowed by God on men in Christ through the Holy Spirit. So tell me, do you need to be saved from danger in heaven? I don't think so. We need to be saved from danger here in the earth. Is that right? Do we need to be saved from suffering in heaven? No, that's for here in the earth. Salvation was not created for us to wait to get to heaven to enjoy. Salvation is meant for us to enjoy here on earth. It's part of the perks and privileges of the kingdom of God. Everything that God has for us, temporally, materially, spiritually, financially, relationally, vocationally, socially, everything God has for us, that's God's salvation. That's God's salvation. Uh, Here's the thing, though. To experience salvation, we must make Jesus our Lord. So many people have received him as Savior, but they've not made him their Lord. Hmm. What's the difference, Catherine? Well, when we receive Jesus as Savior, again, all right, I'm going to heaven. Jesus died for my sins. He rose on the third day. 
Thank you, Jesus. But because they haven't made Jesus their Lord, they don't do what he says. Jesus said, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? Why is that important? Because if we are to be saved from danger, if we're to be saved from suffering, if we're to be saved from these things, that means he tells us what to do and we do it and we experience being saved from it. He gives us the instructions how to get out of that situation and how not to get into it again. He gives us the instructions on how not to get into that situation in the first place. But if he's giving us the instruction and we haven't, and we don't feel it's important to do what he says, then we're not going to get his results. We're not going to experience the salvation that he has secured for us. When we make Jesus our Lord, that means we submit to him and we say, Lord, I'm tired of doing it my way. I can't get out of this myself. I trust you. You teach me and I will be taught. Teach me how to live like you, how to love like you, how to be like you. Teach me what to do. Teach me how to speak. Teach me what to say. And when you tell me to do it, I'll do it. Does this remind you of Psalm 112, verse 1? Praise ye the Lord. Blessed is the man that feareth the Lord, that delighteth greatly in his commandments. This is the person who has made Jesus Lord, who will follow him, who will do what he says. And let me tell you something. I don't care. This is what I'm saying now. It's not just for people who have not received Jesus before. I know many, many people who are in pulpits, who have been in the church for years, who have mega ministries but have not made Jesus Lord. None of that matters. What matters is, do you do what he says? Do you consult him before you do anything? Do you allow him to lead you? Do you allow him to correct you? Do you allow him to save you? Yes, when you get saved, you are saved, but now you have the responsibility to partner with him and be saved. Amen? So this, this is how, by making Jesus Lord and by choosing to do what he says, whether our natural minds comprehend it or not, this is when the renewing of the mind takes place. This is when we learn to think like Jesus. This is when we learn how to be like Jesus. And it requires something of us. Can you guess what that is? It requires us to deny ourselves. You knew that was coming, right? Because we can't hold on to our own mindsets when Jesus is telling us, no, this is the way. If we hold on to our own, we're going to continue to go our own way. And even when we get into that situation, Jesus will be there trying to tell us what to do to get out. But because we're holding on to our own mindsets, we're going to keep doing the same thing. So we must deny ourselves. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 24 in the Amplified Classic. Well, I'll be, excuse me, I'll be reading from the Amplified Classic. Matthew chapter 16, verse 24. Jesus said to his disciples, If anyone desires to be my disciple, let him deny himself, get this now, disregard, lose sight of, and forget himself and his own interests. And take up his cross and follow me. Cleave steadfastly to me. Conform wholly to my example in living and, if need be, in dying also. 
We've got to let go of our own way of doing things. Let go of our own self-interests. Understand that God, his pleasure is your prosperity. He's not going to tell you anything that's not going to prosper you. His displeasure is anything that keeps you from prospering. He's not going to tell you anything that's going to hurt you. We've got to let go of our own desires. Let go of our own ideas. Let go of our own ways. Follow Jesus. Make him our Lord. Amen. Turn with me now to Matthew chapter 5, 27 verse 30. Because you know it's not a matter of saying, oh Lord, take this away from me. Lord, take these cigarettes away from me. Lord, take this food addiction away from me. Mm. We've got to partner with him in that. We have to do our due diligence. Part of denying ourselves. So I'm going to read um, very quickly out of the King James Version, Matthew chapter 5, verses 27 through 30. Um, 27 and 28 just give us the context, but 29 and 30 are the meat of it. Jesus speaking. But I, uh, ye have heard that it was said by them of old time, thou shalt not commit adultery. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. So now listen up. And if thy right eye offend thee, pluck it out and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. So that man that was looking at that woman, that eye is getting you, mm -mm, plug it out. <laughs> Woman looking at the man, pluck it out. Looking at that chocolate chip cookie too long, pluck it out. <laughs> All right, verse 30. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee. For it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish and not that thy whole body should be cast into hell. If we know we have an inclination towards something that is displeasing to God, if we know we have an inclination towards something that might seem innocent at the time, but it has the potential, which it does, to go to something bigger, stop it. Stop it before it starts. Stop it before it starts. Amen. Now, we've got to go to dire measures sometimes. Turn with me to Proverbs chapter 23, verse 2, and I'll be reading out of the King James Version. I do hope that you all are turning because I believe it's important to put our eyes on it. Proverbs 23, verse 2, in the King James Version. And put a knife to thy throat, if thou be a man given to appetite. Do whatever it takes to cut yourself off from that ungodly desire. Do not, this is not literal, do not go commit suicide, do not go split your throat. But understand what it's saying. Do, okay, the Lord's telling me to tell you this story. So there was a day when I would go to the gym, I was fit, I was, getting, I was working out, you know. And there was this gentleman there who worked. Um, no, 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 who worked, who worked out. <laughs> he, he worked out. And um, every time he would get ready to leave to the gym, he would come over to me and say goodbye. Oh, that's sweet. That's sweet. That's sweet. Well, one day I find myself in the water room where the pool and the sauna and the hot tub are. And um, he's in there. And my spiritual mother is there with me too. So praise the Lord. But then she goes and she gets in the shower. She goes to the shower room and now it's just me and him talking. I'm like, oh my God, okay. And so then he starts just really telling me how he feels about me. I'm like, oh God. And um, let me tell you, I have to tell you, I have to tell you this. He was the perfect shade of chocolate. 
He had every bicep, tricep, quadricep, every set right where I wanted it. I'm a person I like to take care of my teeth, brush my teeth and everything. Oh, he shared with me. Don't ask me why I came up in conversation, but he got his teeth not only cleaned, but he got them polished. He could sing. Oh my gosh. He was just, okay. And um, this was, this was, this was headed in the wrong direction. I already knew because there's just too much was stirring up in me. I wasn't ready for all that. I just wasn't ready for all that. And so long story short, it got to the point where I had to change my whole entire schedule because by this time I knew when he went to the gym. So I had to make sure I was not even on that side of town when I knew he was at the gym. Cut your throat if you're a person given the appetite. Do whatever it takes to cut it off. There was a time the Lord delivered me from smoking. And I, at the time, I enjoyed a cigarette with a honey bun and a Mountain Dew. So when God delivered me from the smoking, guess what had to happen? I stopped eating the honey buns and I stopped drinking the Mountain Dew. Cut your throat if you're a person given appetite. Whatever it takes, separate yourself from it so you don't go down that road. Amen. Amen. All right. And then um, this is the one uh, we're, gonna, we're coming to a close now. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 25 in the Amplified Classic. Galatians chapter 5, verses 16 and 25 in the Amplified Classic. So as intentional as we need to be about separating ourselves from those things, we know that God does not leave us to do it on our own. And it's not even about us focusing on that wrong thing in order to quit. This is how we be saved. This is how we cooperate with God to be saved. He has saved us. He's given us Jesus, our Lord. He's given us Holy Spirit, our helper. But now we need to cooperate with him and be Saved, and here's how we do it Galatians chapter 5, verse 16 in the Amplified Classic. But I say, walk and live habitually in the Holy Spirit, responsive to and controlled and guided by the Spirit. Then you will certainly not gratify the cravings and desires of the flesh of the human nature without God. Verse 25. If we live by the Holy Spirit, let us also walk by the Spirit. If by the Holy Spirit we have our life in God, let us go forward, walking in line, our conduct controlled by the Spirit. Amen. Receive on the same level God desires to bless. He has given us his Holy Spirit. He has given us the Holy Spirit as a helper, as a standby. As counsel, the Spirit Prince of Truth. Receive the Holy Spirit on the same level that God desires to bless you. Choose to be responsive to the Holy Spirit with all these other spirits that might be in operation and even self that's in operation. Choose to be responsive only to the Holy Spirit. Choose to be guided and controlled by the Holy Spirit. Choose to receive all the help that Holy Spirit has for you and all the, all the help the Holy Spirit is to you. And let me tell you, I'm going to back up now to verse 24 in Galatians chapter 5, Amplified Classic. And I believe I'm speaking about us right now. It says, and those who belong to Christ Jesus, the Messiah, 
I'm adding this. Those who have made Jesus Lord have crucified the flesh, the godless human nature, with its passions and appetites and desires. If we want to receive on the same level that God desires to bless, we have got to crucify that flesh. We've got to deny the flesh, its passions, its cravings, and its desires. We cannot let our bellies be our God. Amen? Amen. What does this have to do with delighting in the Lord? Because the more we focus on him, going back to uh, Psalm thirty-five twenty-seven, let them say continually, let the Lord be magnified, which has pleasure in the prosperity of his servant. When we magnify something, right? When we use a magnifying glass with words on a page, the words themselves don't actually get bigger. But when we magnify them with the magnifying glass, they get bigger in our seeing. When we magnify the Lord, he gets bigger in our seeing. We let him be the biggest thing we see. We let him be the loudest voice we hear. We let him be the greatest influence in our lives. And when we do that, all the other stuff gets moved out to the periphery. And the more we focus on him, the more we find ourselves delighting in him, doing what he says, and we do what he says more readily, and we do what he says uh, more joyfully, and we find out that good things come from doing what he says. We find out that when we do what he says, we get his results. And guess what happens? This is what I have found. Because the Lord gave, when the Lord gave me these scriptures in Galatians, he also gave me the word, delight in me. This is how kingdom delight was birthed. He gave me the word delight in me. I didn't realize at the time that that, was, that that word of direction would also be my protection because there were things that were coming that would try to plague my mind. There were old ouch places that were tried to be woken up, but because I was responsive to, controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit, delighting in Jesus, I realized that those old feelings, they weren't coming up from within me. They were pressures on the outside of me trying to get me to go back to that old place. Delighting in the Lord, that's a place of protection for me. And I believe it can be a place of protection for you too. It takes denying ourselves so that we will do what he has for us to do, knowing that it's nothing but good for us. Nothing but good for us. We get to the place where, Lord, I'm delighting in you. You're the only one that matters. You're the only one I follow. And Lord, I receive. I don't just receive from you, but I receive on the same level that you desire to bless me. I want to be as blessed as you want me to be. Amen. Amen. So I want to close out with, if you've been blessed by what you've heard, won't you prayerfully consider sowing into God's Love Song Ministries? Let this seed, let this financial gift be your faith expression that says, Lord, I have heard the word. Lord, I've received the word. And now, Lord, I'm expecting to see a manifestation of this word in my life. So here I am placing this money into your kingdom, letting you know that I fully stand on the word that I have heard and received. Praise the Lord. If you would like to sow, you may do so through PayPal, Zelle, Cash App, or Venmo. You may also give online at our website. And if you're sowing from Kenya, or if you are sowing by giving Kenyan shillings, you may give through M-Pesa. The information is on your screen. If you're listening to a podcast, 
The information is in the description. I'd like to take this opportunity to invite you to become a Light B partner of God's Love Song Ministries. What is a Light B partner? Well, first understand, Light B, Revelation B, glory to God. So when we minister, we're ministering from a place of revelation and speaking revelation to the people that they will have more illumination of the word. What is a partner? A partner is one who sends monthly financial donations, who prays for our ministry, who attends or participates in our outreaches or events, and supports our ministry so we can continue to fulfill the mandate that the Lord has given us, to raise souls in the kingdom. Hallelujah. So if you'd like to become a Light Bee partner or learn more about what a Light Bee partner is, please go to our website. The link is on the screen, and if you are listening to a podcast, it's in the description. It's godslovesongministries.com slash partnership. Thank you so much. Loving you with the love of the Lord. Shalom.